politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, and all that matters. Those that are actually willing to fight for an outcome, not just fight for the sake of making noise and shouting and using your voice. Because I do have a cold today, so... You know, I could appreciate it's not worth wasting your voice without a purpose. But anyway, it is Thursday, November 2nd. And, you know, today's show is going to be the very reason why I did yesterday's show. Why I focused yesterday on something totally different. Just sort of blotting out the news and focusing on our local citizens' sheriff's posse idea that I'm trying to push in red areas where we get together and have our own extension of the local sheriff's department where we're brought into the color of law to be a bulwark against anarchy and tyranny. Because at a national level, I just, again, this we'll, we'll talk about today, I don't see hope. I don't know what you do. You have a left that has a perfect immoral compass. They don't miss anything. They don't miss any opportunity to side with something evil or harmful to our security, our culture, our economy. Not even like a broken clock. They're wrong every time. Or in their version, they're right every time. But then our side, half of its, or more than half, is subversive Republicans that are downright joining with the left, bashing our people on the big issues. And then on the small things, even the few guys that agree with us take the top 50 House members. Each one hates each other. So much squabbling going on. And ultimately, it's because there's a lack of leadership on the right that gives big picture ideas and strategies for implementing them. We need to turn to Zephaniah 2.3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who executed his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be concealed on the day of the Lord's wrath. And certainly we're living through God's judgment now on so many f- accounts. We need that vision. Just to be humble. Don't make it about yourself. Let's get together and forge some sort of idea. Because I, I don't see anyone else trying to do that. So I'm going to tie in all of the news of the day or as much of it as I can through this thesis how evil and unified the left is behind their evil and how fractured the right is. So you had the Biden administration last night announce their new initiative on Islamophobia. And I got to give these guys credit. They go big or go home. So here you have the worst slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. And then almost as noteworthy, Muslims throughout Europe, America, college campuses, joining with the radical left, making it that basically people can't be openly Jewish in Europe or in America, at least in the college campuses, which are like Europe. And heck, Biden's own FBI director said that 60% of all, uh, you know, hate crimes, whatever he called it, were directed against Jews who only compose 2% of the population. And they're like, screw that. We're, we're going to focus on Islamophobia. 
Remember, 57%, according to the only poll that, that asked this question, 57% of American Muslims, or shall I say Muslims living in America, endorsed what Hamas did. They support it. They have no problem with it. And yet they're the victim. Again, the Biden administration, the Democrats, the left, they have a perfect immoral compass. They fight for their prerogatives. You think they kind of lie low? No, they're the victims. And by the way, Islamophobia is actually a very appropriate term. It's not hate. Unlike them, we don't hate anyone. We're trying to live our lives as Americans. We, um, but yeah, we do fear them. <laughs> I mean, when you have people that behave that way, it's something to fear. They're the ones who hate. We fear their hate. So, go big or go home. Then he goes, and he's now calling for a ceasefire against the Israelis. What did I tell you guys? I said that every time they wait until the Israeli infantry is in the most precarious situation, very critical time, they're taking some casualties, but they are you know, advancing, being successful, almost cutting Gaza in half. And it says, call for a ceasefire. You got to give these guys credit. They think of everything. Evil as anything. Make no mistake, the Biden administration is the same thing as Ilan Omar and AOC and the Jihad Caucus, except they do it very subtly and more effectively, I would say. So calling for a ceasefire. Moreover, these are from the Times of Israel. U.S. pushed Israel to restore communications in Gaza after it was shut off on Friday night as the IDF launched the first stage of its ground incursion. We made it clear that it had to be turned back on, the U.S. official tells the Post, adding that communications were subsequently restored. They need to stay back on, said the official. So you have to understand the subtlety here. This is not just because you know, they want the Hamas guys in the tunnels to have something to do and some gay porn to look uh, look at while they're, uh, you know, preparing the rockets. It's that the entirety of the modality of warfare of Hamas is built upon their PR war. The evil Western left giving countenance to everything these guys do. And that's why they... In other words, if you try to use human shields, it's only worthwhile if you could have a PR apparatus to draw attention to it. So the in it, this wasn't just like, yeah, let's restore their vital services, the humanitarian garbage. No, this was a little different. Hamas cannot... See, if Israel blacks out their PR machine, they could go in there, do what needs to be done, and then it's over with. Biden needs to catch the Israelis in a precarious situation and ensure that they cannot swiftly achieve victory. So that was one of the most important things to do, and indeed they did that. So there's that. Then, this is from Politico, Netanyahu may not last, Biden and aides increasingly believe, so they're starting a whispering campaign against him. 
Biden has gone so far as to suggest to Netanyahu that he should think about lessons he would share with his eventual successor. There's going to have to be a reckoning within Israeli society about what happened, said the official. And that's what they're doing. Could you imagine you have just one Jewish state? They just got slaughtered. You have the entire world that hates them. They're surrounded by bloodthirsty jihadists. And you have this disgusting, disgusting, decadent administration that's doing everything they can to obsess about Israel's internal affairs. This is why I keep saying what conservatives should advocate for, we don't need to you know, treat Israel like a 51st state. We don't need to give endless things. We don't need to, you know, have virtue signaling. Focus on our stuff. The problems they face is because of the intervention that our government has constantly intervened in their affairs. Take off the handcuffs, mind your own business, done. But I want you to understand how evil, evil this is, what they're doing. And then, here's another thing they're working on. This is also from the Times of Israel. U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. By the way, the only thing worse than Hamas is a subversive, self-hating American and a self-hating Jew at the same time. And that's Antony Blinken. What a piece of garbage. Said Tuesday that a revitalized Palestinian authority should retake control of Gaza if Israel succeeds in its goal of toppling Hamas, but that regional partners and international agencies could play an interim role. In other words, they're making it very clear to Israel, you better not control the area. And obviously, Israel controlling the area is the only way to nip the terrorism in the bud. As bad as the hyenas in the so-called West Bank are, if you notice, they don't really have operational capabilities to launch rockets and dig tunnels because Israel's always in Janine and Nabulus and these places doing operations. So even though they stupidly allowed them to control the area civil-wise and bar Jewish settlement from a good number of areas, but at least militarily, they will go in there and mow the lawn. But once you give up an area, you're done. And that's what happened with Gaza. They knew they were digging tunnels, but they were considered a sovereign area and they couldn't come in. And they get condemned for doing it. Blinken wants to continue that same cycle of extortion of Jewish blood. It's really disgusting. A vile, vile creature. See, this is three-dimensional politics here. You know, you read the news, you think, oh, Biden is very pro-Israel. Like, No. And now you understand why the aircraft carriers he's sending there is to impose a ceasefire. Certainly not to help Israel. So I want to go through how the left has their agenda. And they have an agenda with a leader who's essentially in late-stage dementia. And yet they're still effectively pursuing their policies. You never find Joe Biden going off message. I mean, he might sound like a buffoon, but he doesn't accidentally sound like a conservative one day. And yet on our side, we have no leadership whatsoever. 
Now, today we're sponsored by Birch Gold at a time when, look, I'm telling you, we will not solve this problem. The Trump administration, it was that time that we could have solved the debt problem, and then we just stepped on the gas pedal. It's over. It's over. Um, the treasuries are – you know, I want to maybe talk about this tomorrow if we have time. The treasuries are going to be off to the races. The amount of debt that we have to service with the treasuries is going to drive up the yields over time to unsustainable levels because China is now dumping – U.S. Treasuries. By the way, China has just made their biggest investment in gold. They might be evil. They're not stupid. Our government's stupid. So do something smart. Invest in gold with Birch Gold. Text Daniel to 989898 today, and they'll send you a free info kit on gold. Uh, their main specialty is converting your IRA or 401k. You could put in about 6500 per spouse per year. Don't put it in BlackRock sort of mutual funds and stocks. Put it into something of value by texting Daniel to 989898 to claim your free info kit. Uh, give them a call. They have a very smart economist who will speak to you um, and walk you through each step. Now is the time to have gold as a fallback, something of value. So anyway, you look at what the Biden admin is doing. They're doing everything possible to choke off Israel. And to add insult to injury, they go and support the anti-Semitism around the country, around the world, and say we're going to focus on Islamophobia. Again, you got to give these guys credit. They're evil to their core, and they're never off message. The, the Democrat Party is the political version of Hamas. Unrestricted warfare in pursuit of your cause. Yet what do we have on the other side? What do we have? So on the big issues that matter, we have a lack of direction. And the few times that someone wants to do anything, you have the entire Senate GOP dump on it. And then on the small things that you know we shouldn't get distracted with, we have every the few remaining conservatives sniping at each other. And we're left without leadership. We're left without leadership. This is from Punchbowl. Inside Senate Republicans' decision to unload on Tuberville. So Tommy Tuberville, he's not great on everything, but you got to give him credit. He took a stand against the woke military, the training stuff in the military, particularly, particularly the abortion tourism in the military. And he's like, I'm not going to allow... I'm going to hold up unanimous consent, right? Because there's there's a bunch of little things. If you have a couple hundred promotions for senior military officials in the Senate, so if you would allow if you would allow the Senate rules to play out without vote agreeing to waive the rules through unanimous consent, you would grind the entire Senate agenda to a halt for months just to get those promotions. So he's been objecting to unanimous consent until they agree to stop the abortion tourism. And yet, yesterday, all of a sudden, so they've been sniping at him for a while, but yesterday, all the Republican establishment, they went to the floor not to trash turning our military into this feminist abortion mill and transgender nonsense, but trashing 
Tuberville for fighting it. Dan Sullivan, loser from Alaska, another wasted red state that were turning blue, gets the floor, says their careers are being punished over a policy dispute that had nothing to do with that. I mean, first of all, it does. Lindsey Graham was holding up a picture of some lesbian you know, female lieutenant general or something, or they maybe major general want to promote to lieutenant general. I mean, these are all the problematic people. They should be thrown out of the military. Let's make it very clear. It's not just about holding up their promotion over an important issue. These people shouldn't be promoted anyway. There is no point to having a military if we don't solve this issue. Mitt Romney gets up there. We're each getting calls from military families that are being impacted by this hold, and we recognize that there's personal suffering as well as issues of military readiness. Again, having a transgender military is not a military readiness problem to these guys. So, so we have Republicans that are more bothered by our response to the Fourth Reich than what the Fourth Reich is doing. Unbelievable. Joni Ernst. Yeah, women in combat. Joni Ernst. From Iowa. I was against her from day one. Everyone bought into her. We have done the best we can to honor the request of a fellow senator that these nominations be brought to the floor and voted on individually. I really respect men of their word. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. You never hear them talk about Democrats like this. So this is what we have on the big fights. We can't have nice things because Republicans agree with them. But then you have the small bickering. So how many conservatives do we have in the House? Maybe 50. Each one hates the next. So yesterday you had this vote resolution from Marjorie Taylor Greene to censure Rashid Tlaib, accusing her of insurrection, leading the pro-Hamas takeover of the Cannon office building. And basically... As you well know, I don't have a strong opinion either way because the issue is so unimportant in the scheme of things. Censure is meaningless. It's not going to go anywhere, okay? But now we have people tearing each other apart, even on the right, because most of them obviously enthusiastically supported it because you're censuring a pro Hamas dirtbag. But there were those like Chip Roy and Thomas Massey, a few others that voted no because they didn't like using the word insurrection. Even though the left used it against us, they're like, words have meaning and we're not going, I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't an insurrection. um, And we're not going to use their false terms back on them. And the others respond, no, that this is, you got to, you know, give them a taste of their own medicine, which I'm all for, but I'm just, it's kind of meaningless. So I, I, look, if I were there, I'd probably vote for it. But, you know, because I, I tend to agree with, you know, they're, they've already weaponized words as much as you can. So us doing it back to them won't embolden them any more than they already are. But it's not worth tearing each other apart over. You need a unified message on the budget. November 18th is all that matters. November 17th at midnight, 11.59 p.m. That's all that matters, that you unify behind. We will not fund terror. We will not fund the border invasion. We will not fund inflation and the Green New Deal. We will not fund biomedical tyranny. And you not unify behind that message. 
or pick one or two of the issues. Everything else does not matter. Yet, we have, here, here's the thing. Because we lack leadership at the top, there is just no unity. And now you have, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is just, you know, very personal, strong personal attacks on Chip Roy and, and then just, you know, attacking everyone. And each one is just, I mean, even, even people I have on this show, friends of mine, I'll be talking to one and I'll, whoa, I realize like one hates the other. I mean, Chip is one of my best friends. He's a big friend of the show. Um, I'm not as close with Marjorie. I've disagreed with her on some things, but she's been on. Marjorie just uh, enthusiastically promoted my article on 10 ways to support Israel, you know, without necessarily sending over a bunch of weapons. Um, and now those two hate each other. And, you know, I I know uh, Thomas Massey used to like her a lot, and now, you know, she's trashing him and vice versa. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just not worth it. But this is what happens when you don't have leadership at the top, which the top, there's a vacuum because it's being smothered with a wet blanket by Donald Trump and his supporters, and nobody wants to call that out. So then everyone just kind of bifurcates. And absent strong leadership at the top, they just squabble over personal things. And that's what we're left with. We're left with nothing. We're left with no vision on the budget fight. You know, I saw Mike Johnson, the big thing he's making a push for now is a bipartisan debt commission. And this is my concern. My concern is that that will be the big ask of the budget fight. Not an issue, but a debt commission. And it's the dumbest thing imaginable. There's nothing to have a commission on. Anyone could look at the numbers. It's, do you have the political will to cut what needs to be cut or not? There's no debt commission. A, a, debt, a, a commission is good for something that's complicated like vaccines. That would be useful, having a vaccine injury co commission looking at the safety efficacy, diving through the data on all the vaccines on the childhood schedule. There's a need for that. Okay? And just the creation of it would plow new ground because that would presuppose a premise that not all is good on that front. But the notion that we have a debt problem, I mean, Democrats won't oppose that. They won't have a problem you know, putting up 50% of the members of a bipartisan debt commission. What are you, you going to do with that? But this is what we do. We chase shiny objects. We chase this and that. And we won't unify. It's like everyone was blown away by my plan for defunding terror and foreign policy, juxtaposed to the border and visas, just kind of listing all the things we should and shouldn't be doing and should be fighting for. It's like the strategy, obviously, unless it gets pushed off, later today, Republicans are going to vote on the $14.5 package for Israel. So again, whether you agree or don't agree with that, but you know they're fighting Biden and the Democrats and Senate Republicans, ironically, on the fact that a, it does not include Ukraine funding, which is good, and it 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 um, defunds the expand expansion of the IRS through the Green New Deal legislation and defunds that. So obviously, the Senate's going to balk. 
So what's the next move? What I would do is I'd come back with another bill, same bill, but add on there defunding UNRWA, and not just Hamas, but the Palestinian Authority, as well as the Lebanese Armed Forces and the Iran deal, and Qatar, too. Put, 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 put that all in there. And let Democrats oppose it. And then be willing to shoot the hostage. Well, they'll be like, okay, you don't get the Israel flame, fine. It's better than hamstringing them. Now, that's a standalone bill. But it's the must-pass bill that matters. And that comes November 17th. And Republicans shouldn't treat it like a must-pass bill. They should show that we want to get a proper government funding bill more than any government funding bill. That is all that matters. So you're like, Daniel, do you agree with like, you know, doing back to the left and kicking them off of committees? There was this debate on the right, you know, with Adam Schiff. It was the same thing. And Ilan Omar, do you do back to them what they did to Marjorie Taylor Greene? And I know if you put that question to the floor, I know there will be members in this audience that will be very passionate. Most of you will probably say, screw it, do back to them what they did, even if you principally have issues with it. And I tend to agree with that. But it's just, it, it's it's a bridge to nowhere. It's not worth tearing each other out apart over something like that. And then meanwhile, we have no plan on the only thing that matters is the must-pass legislation. That is the only thing that matters. And by the way, I just wanted to point out that when it comes to the PA, they just the Al the the Al Aqsa Martyrs Brigade just put out a video showing their participation with Hamas in the October seventh massacre. Okay, that that's the Fatah Abbas military wing. The notion that there's a difference between them is insane. So it's like. Some people on the right are debating, you know, really we should end all farm aid. Again, I'm not, my point is, at a minimum, we all agree we shouldn't be funding evil. So why is that not the first thing we do? Absent a vision, you get just a divided, bitter, unfocused, reactionary, and the left is unified. I mean, again, the most radical, efficient, and effective transformation of America took place under the stewardship of a man who is not even, he's not even lucid. <laughs> Think about that. Because they have a movement. And they don't, they don't rely upon one man. Now, we do have one man who could provide this affirmative vision, balance, outcomes-based, but all my colleagues are rejecting him or shadow-banning him. Again, nobody's perfect. I'm never going to worship DeSantis like the Trump people worship Trump or anyone for that matter. But realistically, look me in the eye and tell me, who are you going to get that's better? Realistically, looking at two generations of failure to recruit presidential, senatorial, gubernatorial, Congress, 
across the board. Show me where you see that level of leadership on the horizon. You know, we'll see what happens with next week's elections. You got Mississippi governor and legislature, you got Kentucky governor, and then you got the Virginia legislative elections. And, you know, it doesn't look good. Democrats are fully engaged. Republicans are ignoring these races. We have a loser nominee for governor anyway in Kentucky. Unless there's a miracle, it looks like the Democrats are going to win the governorship again in a state like Kentucky. So, I mean, this is the problem. We, we need a new party. We've always needed a new party. But the movement we would need to do that is either still up Trump's rear end and can't see anything beyond that, bitterly divided, bitterly distracted, just indefatigably focused on earning money above all else and, and fame. And, and th- this is what's going to continue to happen. You know, I'm one man, limited capacity, limited brain, limited time, limited energy. But I try every day between my writing, social media, and obviously this program to take the core issues short-term and long-term and, and, and give a realistic strategy of, of what we should fight for. And why that's a novelty is, is beyond me, but it is novel. We're not seeing that. But I want to get back to this dichotomy between the left and the right. How they have a perfect, perfect immoral compass. But, but we're, we're very muddled and confused in terms of what we believe. Again, there's disagreements on everything. Now should be a time for moral clarity. Again, ironically, I started out with Zephaniah 2. That is the prophecy of God destroying Gaza, literally. Um, the people of the sea, the seacoast there, talks about destroying them, making them desolate. And what we're called upon is just to humbly seek God, pursue righteousness, just do what's right. You look at the left, and it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing the clarity. October 7th was a wake-up moment for all of us. It's not just for Israel or Jews. Jihad against the West. It should have been a moral clarity for Second Amendment, for self-defense, for what we're talking about, civil defense units, border, visas, Statecraft, foreign policy. So many people are just confused. It's bizarre. Have you seen a a single Muslim rally against Hamas? Has there been a single Muslim rally anywhere against Hamas? Again, this is not too hard. Okay, I mean, this is the most savage thing you could possibly imagine. Have you heard anyone say, like, look, you know, I don't like Israel so much, but, uh, I mean, this is just horrific. We just can't be doing that as Muslims. It's against our teachings. You know, 
we believe in peaceably driving the Jews into the sea, not doing it quite that way. No. You know, in many respects, the West is emblematic. Or, or I would say, tragically, let me say the other way around. The people who are slaughtered largely in those Jewish communities around Gaza were tragically emblematic of the broader Western civilization. There's an old Jewish saying, those who are merciful to the cruel will ultimately be cruel to those deserving mercy. And that's, that's essentially the modus operandi of all left-wing governance, if you understand it. And, you know, that's why they're, they're all into criminals, but they love abortion, but they couch everything in terms of compassion, but really they're compassionate to people who don't deserve it, and then people who do deserve it, they spit upon them. And, and again, I don't say this to besmirch these people, their memory, just the opposite. I say it to prove the point that this should be a wake-up moment for everyone. And maybe in Israel, because it's so hard hit. I mean, imagine being there, a tiny country, the equivalent of 50,000 people uh, scaled to the American population, killed. You know, countless, you know, hundreds of thousands would, would be injured by that same scale. And then almost everyone has a family member that's now serving the military. And then obviously they're all constantly under a barrage of rockets. So maybe they get it there. I don't know. Some people I've heard from do say that the left in Israel does get it at this point. But certainly not in the rest of the world. And if anything, they've been turbocharged the other way. But anyway, I've said before that most of the people that were butchered, they weren't just, you know, kind of secular left-wingers, but they actually were very big into this Arab peace activism, right? I mean, this kind of music festival they had was this hippie, um, you know, hippie peace thing. And, you know, I, I, I read a couple of, couple of stories I was seeing that underscore this point. There's this woman, this very young, almost a girl, 19, 20-year-old that, that everyone saw being dragged out of a Humvee from Hamas in Gaza that was captured, and it appeared like she was raped and, and had, um, you know, was slashed all over her body and everything. And evidently, the Israeli media, uh, you know, was able to identify who that was. And... It turns out that she was a member of this Hands of Peace organization. I mean, imagine that. This young girl got involved in the, you know, let's make peace with the Arabs. And this is what they did to her. Another story I saw, this couple, Daniela Waldman and Noam Shai, they were newly engaged, going to get married. Uh, they were in their 20s. They escaped escaped the initial massacre at the festival, the music party there, but then contact with them was lost. Danielle's family found her location on her iPhone and arrived to see bloodied, bullet-riddled car where the couple was murdered by the Hamas dudes. Listen to this. Danielle's father, Eyal, a tech entrepreneur, there's a lot of that in Israel, he founded an R&D centers in the West Bank and Gaza for his tech firm. He employed hundreds of Palestinians. He said in a recent interview that he still believes in peace. 
look, again, I, I you know, a family going through such grief, I don't want to dump on people like that, but it's just this is a microcosm of the West. It's a story the media is not reporting on. The type of Jews that were slaughtered there were not people like me. I mean, this was on Saturday. It was a uh, it was double. It was a Saturday and one of the holiest days in the in the Jewish calendar. You know, so you know they had this party there doing drugs. Who knows what was going on there? Um, very, 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 very secular. Um, very much not just you know left wing, but but very much into this pro peace. Like I said, a lot of the people in that in those communities there, they dedicated their lives towards humanitarian aid to Gaza, and this is what happened to them. They butchered them, they raped them, they put their babies in ovens, cut off limbs, and. That, I mean, that is the enduring lesson of being, mur- again, and I don't want to besmirch anyone anyone who died and whatever. That's not my point. My point is to, um, it's not to mock or laugh. It's to learn the lesson going forward. Because I think even people on the right get bogged down by a false sense of compassion. I've always said, I've, I've compared the border analogous to, uh, you know, everyone talks about, all oh, the humanitarian at the border, oh, these families. It's like me stopping my car on an on interstate to hand out loaves of bread and just creating a pileup of carnage and death from, from car accidents. There's so much bad coming through the border, you can't do that. Now almost all of them are just a bunch of military-age punks. But even when it wasn't, you just can't do that. You can't do that to a society. It's the same thing. I experienced a lot of people on the right. They got bought into Jan Daniel. We need criminal justice reform. There's people in prison and this and like, no, the sausage doesn't look pretty. Again, we can't do perfect, pristine outcomes. Okay, there's no. We don't have the ability in a war to press a button that will instantly kill all the all the belligerents while sparing those that won't be a threat to you. That doesn't exist. But we have this false sense, and, and, it, and it false sense of compassion, and manifests in warfare, it manifests in diplomacy, and manifests with immigration policy. Oh, Daniel, we need to be open. Well, you know, I've been accused of being racist for years, and uh, I, I've been warning about this ever since 9-11. I said, look, 9-11 was an immigration problem, and... You know, what do you want from me? We, we project our values on other people. Most of us, we don't inherently hate people for who they are. Okay? We, we don't hate people based on their religion, their race. It's like if you're a good dude, you're a good dude. If you're a bad dude, you're a bad dude. But, you know, based on your you – know, none of us have a reason to hate anyone. But there are groups of people that are not like that and – they will inherently hate you for who you are. By the way, if you if you listen to any of the recordings of Hamas, or not just Hamas, but the so-called civilians, the way they talk, I don't know if you saw the celebration when they when Hamas was you know parading the the captives in the streets, they all used the word the Jews, the Jews. It wasn't even the Israelis. That's what it is. 
people don't want to come to grips with the fact that the religion teaches a Nazi-like, maniacal, with the exclusion of any other focus, to hate and kill Jews. And, you know, the next magnitude of order over is Christians. There's just a lack of morality. We don't seem to understand that. This is the lesson. Again, the media won't report this. They always, they always talk about the settlers, those Jewish settlers. But, but that's not where, where it was. That's in Judea and Samaria. These were like old school hippies. And, and, and what's so tragic is, you, you know you have like, um, you have the modern American left that's just, they'll, they'll never put their money where their mouth is. Like, you will never find a pro-jailbreak person living in a black neighborhood. You're just not going to find that. But these these people were real, true, hippie-like. I mean, they, they believed in it, and they, they actually would, there were people that would help, they could start an organization to drive people in Gaza who needed medical attention to Israeli hospitals. I mean, they, they really believed in it, and that's what's so tragic about it. The media will never report on this, but I've gathered this from from Israeli media, and and largely, largely, I mean, there were a bunch of different communities that were hit. There were about thirty of them, but largely they were they were left leaning and very much into making peace with the Arabs. But that peace is really war. War is peace, and peace is war. You can't make peace with evil. That's the reality. And you can't have an open-door policy to people who largely don't share our post-Enlightenment values. You're like, Daniel, we can't hate people. We have to be welcoming. Okay, I agree with that. But then how does that manifest when you have people you want to welcome who themselves are very unwelcoming? What's the outcome? Is that a welcoming outcome or an unwelcoming outcome? Well, it's an unwelcoming outcome. That's the reality. You now had in in London, I don't know if you saw, the Liverpool train station was taken over by just people chanting genocide. Imagine trying to be openly Jewish in that setting. And again, this is not some sort of far-flung place in England that you could avoid. This is London. By the way, Metro Police in London were taking down posters of the kidnapped Israelis. I don't know how many were British, but there were some who were. Who are. But um, Metro Police were just taking it down to accommodate the terrorists. Totally overrun. Never forget that. But that is the moral compass that is exercised by this administration. And it, it is something that we absolutely cannot allow to permeate the right in large numbers. Because I'll say it again. American Christian conservatives are the last thing standing between unanimity of world opinion um, behind wiping Israel off the map. 
See, if, if the IDF failed completely tomorrow and you had um, Hamas come from Gaza and, um, you know, the, the violent Arabs living in Judea and Samaria get cut loose to do their thing and Hezbollah in the north and then you got Jordan there in the, in the east and now the Yemen's making noise declaring war on Israel and they wiped out 7 million Jews. So, it would not be a big deal. I think we've gotten the message uh, very saliently, <laughs> to put it bluntly, that half the world would cheer it on, the other half would kind of be indifferent. We're all shocks, you know, it shouldn't have happened, but, you know, it did. And again, the cruel irony is, it's not like you're like, all right, well... You know, Jews don't belong in their biblical homeland, so go back to where? Europe. Well, they can't live in Europe. So where is there to go? Well, the United States. Now, the only reason why the U.S. is somewhat different than Europe, but signs of it changing, is because of Christian conservatives. That is the only... You take Christian conservatives out of the equation... You take them demographically and politically out of that equation, America is Europe. There's no difference. No difference. There was a time last generation you could say that the Democrats in America weren't quite like, you know, the Labor Party and whatever else you have in, in Europe. But not anymore. It's, it's 100% the same. The only difference is because of Christian conservatives, the majority of public sentiment is still philo-Semitic and pro-Israel in the sense that Biden can't openly sound like Ilan Omer, but policy-wise, they're doing the same thing. But again, we don't have a vision on diplomacy, on statecraft, on what we should and shouldn't be doing there like I've given. We don't have a vision on the border. We don't have a vision on, on visas. Where do we turn? The other side has clarity. But we're just worn down, divided. I know it's kind of a lament. I'm not sure where I'm headed with this. Let me give you an example. We talked about yesterday about Mark Gordon, the Wyoming governor who's as supportive of carbon neutral. Can, can you imagine saying, you know, I think food, fuel, and everything that allows you to live outside of poverty is destructive. It needs to be neutralized. Imagine if I walk up to you and say, oxygen neutral. That's what it's like saying. And we have a Republican governor of the most conservative state, measured at least by presidential election returns, right? It has a, gives Republican candidates usually the uh, largest margin of victory, like 45-point spread. That governor believes in that. So now, this is from Politico, Senate Republicans introduce a climate bill. Oh, but they're aiming it at China. A trio of Republicans led by Louisiana Senator Bill Cassie is introducing legislation Thursday that would impose a fee on products imported from high greenhouse gas-emitting countries. A move aimed at protecting U.S. manufacturers from competition from China. They make it about that, but the point is they're taxing carbon. 
with the foreign pollution fee, we're attempting to level the playing field to say, okay, China, if you choose not to enforce environmental regs, we're going to levy a fee to compensate our country. So he tries to couch it as that way, but he calls it Republican climate policy. They always think they have this clever way of agreeing to the most maniacal, destructive policies of the left, but couching it in some sort of pseudo-nuanced conservative way. The conservative case for vaccine mandates, and the conservative case for open borders, and the conservative case for bigamy and homosexuality, and the conservative case for climate fascism. It's unbelievable. There was another proposal by Kevin Kramer from North Dakota who did that as well. Similar proposal, a little different. Anyway, Cassie's bill is sponsored by Lindsey Graham and Roger Wicker. Okay, so let's let's tally this up. Roger Wicker is from where? Mississippi. Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. Cassie from Louisiana. And Kramer from North Dakota. I, I mean, this is what happens when you have a drifting and grifting conservative movement aimless, rudderless, leaderless, bitterly divided over stupidity, but then completely clueless on the issues that matter and the way they matter, the time they matter. That's how you get... This is not moderate. They agree to the premise of the most destructive, radical left-wing policies of the generation from the reddest of states. Again... Name me, uh, we, we can make fun out of John Fetterman all we want. We can make fun out of Joe Biden all we want. But name me a time where because of their cognitive decline, they accidentally support something from the other side. Name me, name me a time. Whereas on our side, even the most lucid guys and even the most conservative are at best ineffective. But mo- most of the time, supporting things from the other side. And here, here we have this obsession about a debt commission. I'm telling you, folks, watch for the debt commission to become the lead ask from, for Republicans in return for funding the Biden administration, funding government. A debt commission. No triggers, no hard, you know, triggers that certain things have to be cut. Based on the commission, just a, co- a commission. I don't know what to say. I don't know what you even do in a situation like that. Wanted to just end off on uh, w- w- with one piece of news that I haven't gotten a chance to discuss. Um, Todd Benzman was on the show two days ago, and he mentioned this Daily Mail article about more Colony Ridge sort of places where you have <clears throat> cartels or transnational gangs just taking over the joint. Um, this is the, the Daily Mail from uh, earlier this week. Henchmen for Venezuela's dictator and many of the South America's worst uh, South American country's worst criminals have crossed over the U.S. border and are now causing chaos in major American cities, including Dallas, Miami, and Chicago. In Dallas, the Venezuelan neighborhood known as Villa Dallas has descended into mayhem for months. Once peaceful apartment complexes have been the scene of illegal street races, beatings, street races, right? That's a cultural thing. Beatings, shootings, and extortion attempts. Residents overwhelmingly 
migrants who recently made the harrowing trek through several countries to reach America and are seeking asylum pointed to videos of fights between armed men, broken windows, reckless driving. One disturbing clip shows a man with a shirt over his head wailed on by several men. The man appears to be unconscious as they kick his head. Meanwhile, cars' tires can be heard screeching in the background as shots are fired into the air. Don't kill him, says a, says a bystander. The person who posted the video to Instagram identified local gangsters who he says are behind the, the bedlam. The most popular nicknames are Aaron L. Pibe and Chito, three alleged mini-criminal gang leaders who face each other to keep control of the area. To keep control of the area. A lot of these people are criminals from Maduro's regime, the Miami, uh, Miami lawyer Rolando Vasquez said. Some are ex-security forces. They are professional criminals. As part of criminal organizations, it's not just that we, we've allowed in you know, just a bunch of people that subscribe to that third world culture. But we allowed in Maduro officials. At least 335,000 Venezuelan citizens have crossed the U.S. in the last fiscal year. 72,000 in the month of September alone. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what they're doing. They, they now have to pay extortion. You know, you know that's what they do in Latin America. So they'll walk around the neighborhood and say, like, if, let's say you have a restaurant, you got to pay extortion uh, for protection. Um, some of them are members of the so-called Colectivos or Venezuelan state-run militia. The same people, so many migrants left Venezuela to escape are now here. Again, you're... What does it do to help people? Like, they're escaping terrible things. Yeah, but if you bring the terrible things... See, I've said this many times. Say what you want about Latin America. It's very homogenous. Okay, one thing... It's, it's, it's homogenous. You have no way of disentangling the bad guys and the good guys. Just like Islamic countries. I mean, it, it's not like... You know, what you could theoretically do is if you had, for example, and we didn't even bring them in, but the Yazidis. So they're Christians in Iraq. Very identifiable. Or Iranian Jews. We brought in some. You, you, you could disentangle that and be confident that you're bringing in the people that are persecuted and, and really hate that sort of mentality and are fleeing from it and would appreciate coming to America rather than bringing in those who are doing it. And then not only destroying America and Americans, but doing those people no favors anyway because you're bringing the same dy dynamic to our shores. It's truly unbelievable what we're doing. It's a long article, very well done by the Daily Mail, um, but they're all over the place. All over the place. Again, state deportation the problem's not at the border. It's in the cities, including Miami and, and Dallas. And they didn't mention Houston, but I'm sure they're there too. But there's nobody calling the play calls. I'll keep doing it. I'll keep whatever influence I have privately, publicly, I'll keep fighting. But I need ideas. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. I know it's a little bit of a depressing day, but 
I'm sorry, I have no choice but to give you the news of the day through that prism. One side believes in the morality of their immorality. The other side has no morality, even in their own stated moral views that we claim to all agree upon. Most people would agree with everything I'm saying here on the right, but yet we have no unified vision to deal with it. The only lesson is revival. Return to God. Seek his countenance. That's all we can do. Till tomorrow. God bless y'all. Zephaniah chapter 2. Go read it. See you later.